coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, once again, it's the fucking pilot back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the studio. Yes, studio. With me today, we got another canopy pilot extraordinaire that's going to tell us a little bit about nylon and skydiving and all kinds of stuff. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hey, everybody out there. I'm uh, I'm Nicholas James Batch. Uh, I skydive for a living, all kinds of fun stuff, swooping, try to renovate homes as an amateur at home, and uh, pretty much anything I try to get my hands on. I uh, hate sucking at shit, but sometimes you get good. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I found the only way to get any better at stuff is to be absolutely terrible at it. At least that's my own personal <laughs> way of doing things. So, Scott Ever, Canopy Pilot, Home Renovator, um, how did you get started in, not necessarily just skydiving, but anything extreme? Um, you know, at a young age, my father was a real big influencer with uh, outdoor activities. Not necessarily, I mean, I did all the normal sports a lot of people played, but... More or less a lot of, uh, you know, canoeing, kayaking, down okay. water, whitewater rafting type. Nice. Yeah. So at a young age, I was always like the shrimp. I'm still short. You know, I was the guy who's like four foot and everybody else in eighth grade is five plus. Right. So it was quite awkward at, uh, you know, those photo times of the whole class. <laughs> Even my wife made fun of me at one point. She's like, hey, who's who's that? Oh, that's you. You know, like, oh, man, I can't believe she saw that photo. All right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, from the beginning, he had me doing stupid shit that uh, most people wouldn't probably push their kid to do. Sure. And, um, and, and it grew on me, you know. I learned to be fearless and quite, you know, take care of yourself because no one else is going to be there to save your ass sure. type N- deal. And what did mom think of that, though? Uh, she didn't. Well, I mean, I'm sure she knew a bit, but it was always like father-son trips. You know, we'd go cool. out of state somewhere and, and go on these adventures together and... I mean, it was pretty cool because that kind of, you know, grows you into being that type of, you know, whatever. It's something we don't get to instill in a lot of kids nowadays with the, you know, all the TV and uh, We video got this games fucking and... bubble wrap mentality now. You got to yeah. wrap your kid up. And uh, what, as I saw, the one of the funniest memes I'd ever seen was uh, um, a millennial starter kit. And it was a little kid wrapped in bubble wrap with a set of earplugs in and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not, I'm 38, but at some point you just think like, all right, uh, how much protection you need. Like we used to, you know, ride out on our bikes and then never even go home till after dark. And your parents didn't care where you were all night uh, until it got kind of concerning at one point. Sure. That was before cell phones and stuff, you know, like you weren't stopping off and calling quarter pay phones all the time to check in. Yeah. Be home by the time the the street lights come on and you were gone all day on a bike. God knows where. Yeah. It was your, it was your ride. That's how you got around. Hell yeah. It was good. So you started out with dad kind of pushing you into that mentality, which is super cool. What, what, uh, um, when you started doing things on your own, how did you, uh, what did you aim towards? Um, I, I found myself fascinated with, you know, playing sports. I hate watching them. I, I'd be on the sideline. Like I want to be in there doing that. Um, I was a soccer guy, um, short, fast, good at that. Um, never was tall enough for basketball really. And, didn't play i did play baseball for a while and got a little boring standing on the plate and i wanted to be more running the whole time sure so um for me that was sort of like a young age i don't know like second grade through you know high school and then i tried i went to community college and i went and like tried out for the soccer team and that ended up just getting punched in the face a bunch of people's elbows for <laughs> right. about an hour and a half right. and i'm like fuck <laughs> that i am not gonna play this 
you're the new guy and we're going to beat the shit out of you game for right. the next year. <laughs> so I decided to just lay off it. I was like, all right. And that's when I found skydiving because it was kind of a newer thing that just, uh, it, it came out to me. So was it, uh, I mean, did you see a, an old TV commercial? Did you see something like that? Did you see canopies in the air? Um, no, it was uh, one of my best friends back then. Uh, we we actually, my family, we had a death in the family of mm. uh, my sister at that time. And it was a little fucked up, but um, I was very, you know, it was a very morbid time for me when I was young because I was 19. I'm like, well, why the fuck did that go on? Sure. Um, it was it was a complication after a surgery with mm. Crohn's disease. And, <clears throat> oh, wow. But, but that made me like feel empty, you know, like I'm young, I'm unguided. I don't know what to do. I just lost my sister, which you wouldn't think is really kind of like you're in your own mental sure. world of life. So, so, so one of my friends, like, let's go skydiving, you know, you need to do something for fun. And I went and did, you know, the course all day and we got rained out. Uh, was, <laughs> of course. <laughs> was going to do AFF straight off. I didn't want to do a tandem. I've always wanted to be hands on. I want to learn it. So I went and did the AFF. Uh, we came back the next weekend when they're open. Weekend only drop zone, mm. middle Missouri. Okay. Um, Quantum Leap. It was uh, Jim and Scott Cowan. Okay. Um, previous crew, uh, U.S. crew champions for a oh, long cool. time. Um, but yeah, so went out, did the jump that day, and it was awesome. So I was. They had enough room to do one more. It's small drop zone at sure, the time. Sure, sure. And, uh, and so I was able to get my second jump in that day, and I just fell in love with it because I found something that made me feel alive again. Sure. And, and that was a weird place to be in at the time, but I wasn't doing it necessarily because I, for the sport, as much as like, wow, like that's, what is this feeling I'm I getting? I felt like, something. Like, damn, yeah. this is cool. Like, this is where I want to be. Look at all these different people hanging out sure and you've got these doctors and lawyers and and people. drug dealers and <laughs> yeah trust me i ran into that too yeah and, and and you're like you're like wow you've got all these people that why are these 45 year old people talking to me right when i'm 19 i don't know shit about anything right uh so it was a very small drop zone feel and it had that homey vibe and i'm like wow i've kind of found a community of people i like too. sure and then i also enjoyed the scott i mean obsessively sure well um, i mean especially at 19 years old to have uh, uh, your sister pass away that's a gut punch in itself especially when you're at a time when at 19 you're still fucking bulletproof you know you're mm -hmm. nothing touches you nothing really affects you that much and to have something hit home like that sure i mean and, holy shit and it just you know i mean just wasn't expecting things but yeah but it led to that and that's where that's where i fell in love with it i did a shit ton of jumps um I had, uh, you know, back then we were getting the D license at 200 jumps. Right. I had that within five months of the sport. Right. Uh, was lucky enough to have a good mentor, Jim Cowan. Um, he kept me alive. I was the 88 under 97 stiletto <laughs> doing 270s at 180 jumps. Jesus Christ. And, um, man, I I always was good at parachuting. You know, sure. The, the, the parachute fascinated me. And uh, I, I don't know. At, at the beginning of student status, I was landing – in the accuracy pits and he he the drop zone owners swoop in and i saw what they were doing and next thing you know shannon pilcher and jay maletsky oh, and jesus. ian bobo are out of our drop zone oh, jesus. they're swooping down this ditch with these velocities and i'm like what the fuck is happening here this is amazing right like, i thought the jump was cool and i'm flying these boats flying around and i call it a boat it's like 135 at the sure. time but but i'm like what and I just, I got to start learning to do that. Right. So it, it turned into this obsession, you know. So that was, that happened pretty quick and early on for you in yeah, the sport. in 2001. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, so. that's going in fast forward under nylon. 
Yeah, and that was just when they were first, you know, like the generations of those wings were first coming out. Yeah, man. People were jumping PD Vengeances. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of the cool thing before the VLOs. Sure. I um, think I was just one uh, generation before you in that uh, um, I had just started jumping when uh, Stilettos, PD had come out with Stilettos, and you had to prove you had 500 jumps to be able to go buy it, which to me always mm -hmm. seemed like an amazing marketing scheme. Because, yeah. wait, I got to have, fuck, I got to find a way to get one of those. Um, so when the velocities and stuff came out, uh, um, I, I had seen just enough of the, you know, the low hook turn uh, phenomenon and all that craziness. I stayed off high performance canopies for ages. I missed that. And yeah. then like, I just saw the cool stuff. I saw right. like all these legends or what I would consider legends. Sure. And then, you know, how the sport goes, like people don't even, um, I mentioned these names of the people I looked up to, to these younger new jumpers are like, who? Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, they don't have a clue. <laughs> I got, Oh fuck. That's going to be me. Or it already is. You right. know, like, like right. for sure. Like, uh, like they don't, you're not in the sport now. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah. But the generation of the newer jumpers, I think it's just so there's a quite a talented pool of, uh, of people that are up and coming and sure it's well it's and i mean uh, standing on the shoulders of giants you know i mean yeah. that's how it goes you're, you're watching guys that are uh you know early on in the sport but i didn't have canopy courses available available to mm -hmm. me when i was a young jumper you got on the parachute and figured out what the fuck it did sure you know i mean you either broke yourself or you didn't break yourself and you tried to repeat the not breaking yourself um so now with flight one and all these different courses and all yeah. this amazing shit that you can do they're, the learning curve is through the roof. Yeah, and the technology, the parachutes are amazing. The, the harness technology is starting to pick up with some of the stuff, you know, UPT is working on now. Yep. Um, there's, there's, That's the mutant, yeah? Yeah, some new innovations in the sport that are coming along. Um, you know, before all that, everybody's been focused so much on the parachutes for so long. Mm. And uh, some of the implement implementations, whatever, that we uh, we were making for the harnesses was, was like we, we took these – belly bands because we were started ground launching the jvx's and sure. stuff with jim sladen and Dwayne hall and all these guys down in uh southern california yeah and i'm like wow like we started figuring out like when you fly out of the harness and you reduce your drag you fly further across the ground for higher you know i could maintain lift for a long time sure while gliding or if i could wanted to rock the hill i could just sit back and kick and it was kind of like wow speed flying harnesses are really cool right how can we incorporate that in a skydiving and you know back then like the answer was put a student rig on with a belly band and take your chest strap off and that was like the first sure. innovation of that moment was like okay let's do this so we literally ordered mirage rigs with belly bands student belly bands like sewn in right above the connection points on the laterals right. down above the leg straps and went for it you wow. know go send it see what happens and Instantly within, you know, a month of flying this, uh, I had broken Maledsky's world record for the longest distance mm. by like maybe two meters, but sure. it's still like phenomenal. Cause I was like up and coming 2006, seven sure. first two years professional swooper, you sure. know, and here I am taking the king of what I would consider the era. Yeah. I'm taking his world record. Oh, and yeah. I was like, holy fuck, what just happened? <laughs> right. Um, and and that's sort of like where we're at now with the harness for the sure. mutants shit. It's gonna go ballistic eventually, and sure. people are gonna be able to figure it out to a point where a typical harness won't be as efficient because sure. now you've you've designed a way to reduce your drag on your body and not just during the recovery or across the ground, but during the whole flight pattern. Sure. Now, do you see? Uh, um... Uh, it, it getting regulated in that uh, uh, something like the mutant harness is not going to be able to compete up against standard gear because there's just too much of an advantage. 
Um, I, I hope it doesn't really go out that route. You know, we've talked about shit like that in the past where like, should prototype parachutes be allowed in competition? Mm. And then there's also that thought that like, well, if it's not allowed in competition, which we've used them for and deniably used them obviously for 10 years. Of, sure. But sort of like, it's hard to put a product out that doesn't get tested against the best products in the world against sure. the best pilots in the venue where it all counts. Sure. So, I mean, we've, I've even flown in certain world championships, uh, prototype parachutes that you have an extra different type of center cell or something. And sometimes it bit me in the ass and sometimes it was awesome, you sure. know, but it's a risk we're willing to take. And, and I think flying those harnesses is a risk they're taking now Sure. just because, I mean, to dial something in that's completely different, takes a lot of, uh, retraining, rethought oh, process, yeah. uh, learning curve of possibly a couple near it hits oh yeah misses and some death defying you know sure moments where you're like oh shit i almost went in right now <laughs> you're right because you got to relearn it's oh new. yeah it's all like it's like being back on student status oh yeah but now, you're f- flying fast when you when you started out and obviously you had an affinity for the the canopy side of things and and you you came up watching these guys swooping and then of course the rock stars of the day show up at your drop zone now you find yourself on these canopies and you've obviously decided you want to go that direction mm-hmm. how did starting out go i mean how was that learning curve and i mean there's obviously especially with swooping uh with the exception of wingsuit terrain flying there's nothing more dangerous in the sport um it's there's a lot of twists and breaks and stuff along the way there's got to be yeah i think um you know uh the hard part the easy part for me to go so big when i was younger was because i didn't have a care in the world sure because i was already hurt sure so so that kind of carried into my mantra of how i always was with my attitude in Mm. the sport um i think that uh you know Coming from the background that I have in the sport and where people are, um, we we get we get fascinated with with the up and coming new things like watching these, like you said, the Jay Maletsky, the Shannon Pilters, or all these big names come sure. up. And I I think that uh, for me it was always you know playing on that edge. What's risk versus reward? You mm. know, and I think that's an individual choice. Sure, um, meaning what do you have to lose in life as a poem? And I find like later on now as I'm older and I, and and I'm starting to like realize the potential, but also I've got a lot more to lose than I had when I was young. Oh yeah. So I find myself in that position where I'm like, wow, like, was it, is it worth it on this run? And in competition, I will do anything to win. Mm. And it's crazy the level that you'll push your body or what you'll mentally go through and risk in order to hit that reward, you know? Sure. Um, so, you know, to, to all the people who are up and coming out there, you know, follow your dreams, push, push at your limits of what you want it to be. Sure. And, and always the, the most important thing is to have fun doing it. Cause yeah. if we're not fucking having fun, what are we doing out there? Anyway? That's, that's, I think the biggest thing too, is you see a lot of people that are, are, are trying to come up in competition, uh, that are pushing so fucking hard they're forgetting why they got into it in the first place Mm -hmm. and when you're risking especially what you guys are risking at the level that you guys are flying at a small mistake can either take you out of the sport for a couple of weeks a couple Mm -hmm. of months or just take you out yeah and i had that happen last year yeah yeah 
Yeah, in fact, we'll talk about that for sure. I want to hear about that because especially, and that's kind of one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people, especially newer jumpers, think that once you get past a certain point that that's not really, and you're not risking that much or you guys know something that the rest of us don't know. And it's, I think it's an important lesson for people to learn that the best of the best still fuck up. The best of the best still have things go wrong that are out of their control and the best of the best still get fucking hurt. Uh, and they need to know that because I think they, yeah. they they look at a lot of the, the uh, hardcore swoopers and they see a chow, but next thing you know, you're standing up next to the pond, pulling your canopy and shaking it out. And, and, oh, hey, that's not that bad. Water must be soft. Sure. No. Sure. <laughs> and, we've, and I mean, we've all broken ribs on it and yeah. hurt ourselves quite badly doing wipeouts that shouldn't have happened, doing mm. freestyle or whatever. And sure. I think that is the hard part. People aren't realizing the parachutes now are going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. That is 150 feet a second closing speeds. People don't realize we're going half a football field in a second in the first bit of our turns when we're dialing into the ground. Most of the recovery arcs are about 300 feet from the ground when we're starting to finish our turn. And if I'm a half a second late on that or a full second, I've just ate up 25 to 40% of my recovery arc just in that, that that one second, right? Oh, yeah. Take in the human natural reaction time. To compute process and input, you're going up to 0.75 seconds or a second, depending on how well you're trained. If you're sure. a Formula One race car driver, you've got instant reaction time. And if you're sit on the couch all day and watch TV, you're <laughs> right. slower than a slug. But, right. But I mean, that put me low. But that's why people aren't. That's where it's at now. And, sure. And I think in the past, when we used to skip off the water at 60 or 70, it hurt. But man, it was so much different than this 95 to 100. Oh yeah. Um. The, it's getting to that level where the human can't react sometimes proper oh, yeah. to what needs to take place early enough to see it coming. Well, I've, I've almost uh, um, likened it to um, modern day fighter jets um, or aerobatic aircraft. Uh, no longer is it the aircraft that can't handle the maneuvers. Mm-hmm. It's the person inside yeah. that can't handle the maneuvers. Like one of these edge aircraft, you literally can't break that airplane with control inputs. There yeah. is no power setting, no speed that you can't just yank as much as you want. It's the person inside that can't handle it. And the same thing with with the fighter jets. It's not the jets that can't handle the maneuvers. It's the people inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the weakest part of that link, which yep. is crazy to think that some fucking nylon and string has gotten to that point. It's it's insane. Yeah. We've got fluid, dynamic engineers that design wings, putting parachutes together for a living. Yeah. I mean, it's gone to that level yeah. that, and thank God it did, because I was so fucking bored with the traditional style <laughs> parachutes. And then they hand me this shit in 2011. They're like, you know that thing you've been asking for for a while because you just can't figure out how to get more out of your JVX? Here's your Petra. <laughs> what the fuck is this thing? Right. It was crazy. It was so good. It wasn't even true, you know? And then it opened like a dream. It was like, what is happening here? You designed the best swooping parachute I've ever flown in my life and the best opening and parachute. And it opens nice, yeah. In the same time. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. yeah it was funny because uh, I'm still a velocity guy. And uh, of course, when the Petras and, and the Leas and all these came out, everybody was swearing by the openings and swearing by the landings and everything. But if you're not, and I'm not a particularly active jumper, I'm definitely a weekend warrior now. Um, I just have no business being on the canopies that you're on. So although I know there's all these rewards, unless mm-hmm. I'm willing to put in the training and the time under the nylon, sure. for me, it's a stupid thing to do, which is why I've never jumped one because I know I'll like it enough mm-hmm. that I'll have to have one That's and eventually problem. I just fuck myself up. <laughs> you fall in love with those things, man. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're machines. They really, I can't describe it besides, you know, getting into a, 
a really just tight suspension extreme sports car that just is could just gut wrench around corners and you're just like wow what am i doing in this ride yep compared to just a regular car right but but i mean it's you know fighter jets like you said or um formula one race cars yeah it's the fastest coolest thing you can do and and i mean fuck the 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 realm of xrw's crossed so ridiculously like six years ago that we're you know i was told take all the weights out of your pouch you know because your 57 descends too much and i can't collapse my wings enough to dock on you it's like right. okay we've we've now crossed barriers with wingsuits to where they can fly way slower than we're capable which is of just insane uh in uh, my very recent conversation with bill booth he was jokingly laughing about the next technology needs to just be landing gear for wingsuits yeah because that's what's coming landing gear and he said a drogue to slow him down i'm telling you man because like it's it's like my it's just, this is so funny because Jim Cowan told me the same thing way, way back. He's like, he's like, eventually people will just be flying parachutes around their bodies to the ground. Yep. And I mean, wingsuits were starting, obviously they've been around, but I mean, ideally, you know, look at like hang gliders and stuff. They're inside the frame of the wing, sure. even though the wings above them, it's more efficient. Sure. You know, um, there's all types types of sports we can compare to it. And things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, and the cool thing with, uh, um, with the way that the parachutes are going is, is watching, especially from, you know, I'm coming up on 25 years in the sport and watching this progression and sure. It's just a, it's a Ram air parachute. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a Ram air parachute that does shit that I never thought a piece of nylon was ever going to do to watch people moving that fast under a parachute. Come on. And then you watch them transition to the wingsuits, which is, I knew nothing about them until I started watching them grow and grow and grow. And now they're basically flying a parachute. It's a ram air canopy around them. I mean, fuck the square footage that they're covering. It's It's crazy. It's crazy. What was the... It's like a foot um, out the back of their feet and like, I don't know, it's it's 18 inches off their hands. I think uh, um, some of these these wingsuits have got uh, um, more cloth than Ernesto Gaines's parachute, the smallest one ever landed. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding? It's And the technology that's going, I never would have thought, and I guess I still kind of scratch my head and wonder, skydiving as a whole is a very small sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very small industry. And outside of uh, the tandem portion of it, I don't actually know how skydivers make money. (laughs) I I don't know how the industry as a whole makes money. Uh, And I can't get i can't wrap my head around how much money has gone into r&d and um building these amazing canopies for an extremely small section of an extremely small sport i have no idea how they afford it right because honestly at the end of the day like i mean i make my money off of teaching people to fly parachutes that's all i've done for 10 years right but but like i'm not the one putting r&d into a production company and i get it that they make parachutes to cover the cost of r&d and that's what pushes the sales when the new stuff comes out and the sure. coolest kids are doing it but man like to get the ball rolling on the whole situation was you know it, it was very slow back in the day sure. you know the r&d was not as much as no. you know like now what what you know john and 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 what gyro you know sure past gyros you know put in this sport has been just so inspirational to oh, have. Yeah. and then you know you got the new guys coming in town you got scott roberts over there making some cool shit sure and i mean it's nice because that's where we were originally we had like there was four makes and models people were flying icaruses and chaoses and velos sure. and even some other shit i don't know it was out there but <laughs> but I mean, there was more selection, you know, sure. and more companies. And then it kind of got really dry there for a while where it was just mostly Velos and some JVXs and right. side. And now the market's kind of getting back to where almost like it's kind of turned into a pie. You know, it's got sure. 
it's almost got equal shares in every kind. Sure. You know, and that's kind of cool. I, I think that's great for the sport. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because as an outsider, I see the brand war type of thing going on. You know, you're either Icarus or you're PD. Uh-huh. Um, and I really don't have a horse in that race. You know, I mean, I've I've for sport canopies, I've flown nothing but PD. It's mm-hmm. what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. I know, I trust that if I'm under a PD canopy, it's sure. going to do what I expect it to do. I uh, have a lot of experience with Icarus tandem mm-hmm. canopies, mm-hmm. but never jumped a sport canopy. So for as much as I'll say I'm a PD guy, it's just because I don't have any experience in Icarus. <laughs> But you're an Icarus guy. Yeah, I've been in bed with them, as I would say. You know, I, <laughs> that's I've, a good way to put it. I've I've been with them since you know my beginning of my career, almost in t- swooping in 2005. Mm. I bought my first JVX. Um, I was on Chaos's originally. Um, we had an issue with one of my friends had a collapse under one. I got rid of him. Mm. Um, just something where you're like, okay, my serial number is the one after his. I'm good on that. Right. Same exact parachute. Sure. Uh, so I was like, I'm out. And I saw the newer, I was up in Chicago at Rook's place watching the Nationals in like mm. 2005 or something. And I saw Jim Slade and all these guys flying all these prototypes. And, you know, Luke Aikens flying this 11 cell fucking thing with like uh, <laughs> Provenzano and those guys. And I'm right. like, what the hell's going on here? There's so many different new prototypes on the pond. And I kind of watched for a while and I saw Jim's flying, Jim Slade and flying that, you know, JVX. And I'm mm. like, that thing is looks sharp. I love it. And I, I always wanted to – I went with the Chaos originally because I wanted to do something different from what everybody else was doing at sure. my drop zone, which is the Velos. You know, right. So I was always that kid who wanted to <laughs> have the different stand toy. Out. You got to stand know, out. Sometimes it you know, wasn't as good of a situation, the Chaos situation, but I love the Icarus canopies sure. from N-Zero Sports, not Icarus Spain. But in Fair Z- enough. N-Zero Sports. There's a difference. For me, it was always, uh, um, I suppose, a, a slightly uh, easier choice because I was never going to be the best swooper. Mm-hmm. I was never going to be the competition guy. I was sure. always going to be the one that almost made it out of the pond when swooping was starting out. You know, I was always that guy, and I was fine with it, but it also meant that I didn't have to look for the newest, best, most badass thing because nobody's going to come running out of the hangar to watch me land. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So the pressure for me is off. Maybe that's why I I, I don't really care brand wise. PD Icarus, it doesn't sure. matter. Sure. And and then eventually, I mean, I guess the hardest part is when you get you get into that situation with a company and mm-hmm. you've been working with them for so long. And and I've been offered canopies by many manufacturers sure. during my relationship with Icarus. And uh, I've turned it down. You know, I mean, sure. at the end of the day, I love the company. I love the attitude. It's the fuck gap. Go get it. Do whatever you want to do and be badass at it. Attitude. You're all unicorns. And I think it's kind of neat because that sure. it's a different thought process. Um, but they somehow made it work and like turned from a tiny shed in New Zealand to a full production company who can barely keep up with the orders. Oh yeah. I well, used to sell canopies in three week turnarounds, and now it's sixteen to twenty. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> you know? I remember the when uh, Icarus first even hit my radar. My very first thought was New Zealand. <laughs> that was yeah. my first thought was, yeah. they're, really? They're cutting edge? And and then, of course, you learn a lot about New Zealand and figure out, oh, fuck, they jump out of planes a lot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I really – so I, I love those those guys, you know, and it was it was great to spend time over there and jump with them too. Now, have you spent any time on the, the competition? Have you spent – flown much PD or – no, actually, you know, I've I've never flown a Peregrine. I've uh, I've flown Velos mm. before, but I prefer the nine cell platform mm. um, over a seven cell, even to this day. I've sure. had a Leia, a Slea. I've had many seven cell 
you know, very fast parachutes sure. recently, and I also got rid of those just because I enjoy the aspect ratio and the way a nine cell flies. Sure. I think, I, I, and like you were talking earlier, what does it matter with branding? I mean, to a level, maybe a couple companies, you know, there's certain wings that are awesome. Right. But I think the pilot is the number one thing and out oh, there. Absolutely. You should fly what you love, not what you think is going to do better. This might go faster and speed or oh, distance. Oh, yeah. It's all in your head, man. Well, I remember when you get out in... there in that game. Oh yeah. Well, I, mean, I think it was 2004, 2005. Velos pretty much were running the show yeah. for everything swoop. But you would still have guys on stilettos mm -hmm. coming out and kicking people's asses on yeah. a canopy that's obviously not up to par with the velo. Sure. Um, but destroying them because they knew how to fly the fuck out of that wing. Yeah. I'm still a huge stiletto fan, although I haven't jumped one in forever. But I put thousands of jumps on stilettos, and I knew how to fly that canopy backwards, forward, sideways. Um, so I think you're right. It's it's got to be at least 80% pilot. Yeah, and I mean, at a certain point, certain wings are very matched up well. I mean, the HK, the Peregrine, and the Petra are pretty good. Each one has their own personal qualities sure. that are better than another. Sure. I obviously am, like I said, in love with what I fly, but I've never even gotten to fly anything else. Sure. I've been offered to, and I just find that um, when I am training or was training, that I'm not even – I'm just so focused on my own wing. I don't want to fly something else that, that sure. would take me off my track. Sure. Maybe it's a fear that you might like it. Who knows? <laughs> like, sure. fuck, what's that? Like, sure. I've, I love that. But but I get it. Like, in you know, there's a few teams out there, um, Scott of Dubai team, a couple other teams that have, were the first teams to fly both types of parachutes because they didn't have to be sponsored by – Sure. So, the, so some of those teams have chosen and some people have chosen to go two different types of parachutes and make sure. some models. Um, where a sponsored athletes like Kurt, myself, and a couple of the other, you know, top athletes in the game or a lot of the athletes sure. are, well, we're not given that choice. And I can do it for fun. I, I used to jump, uh, you know, 97 Spectres into the Bronco Stadium. Mm. And Icarus is fine with that. Sure. Because I'm not competing under sure. it. It's yeah, for yeah. demos. It's for my own personal growth. Sure, sure. You know? So I think that's cool that a lot of the manufacturers let you jump what you need to jump for right, something because right. well, it's not your thing. Well, and as, as soon as you're out of the, the competition arena, it should be that way. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, it's a bunch of skydivers doing specific things and staying safe and come on. Promoting you know, the sport. Yeah. I mean, for know. good cause and good reason. Absolutely. Yeah. If anything, it's just getting it more out there. Now, the, the, you, you had brought up uh, working as a, a sponsored athlete. How hard is it now? specifically because of these canopies, you want to be a competition swooper. You obviously, yes, the pilot is the big part of it, but at a certain point you have to be flying one of these wings yeah. to, to have it. expensive. Fucking hell, man. That's I the mean, problem. A, a, a set of nylon and uh, lines right now costs more than my first two rigs put together. Mm -hmm. Fuck me. That's just for the parachute. Yeah, we're upwards of 4,000 on, on some of these high-performance Petrus, Peregrines, HKs, yeah. and stuff. Just for a canopy. For you know, a I mean, that that is absolutely, it's insane. So uh, we talked about where the hell are they coming up with the money. Clearly, that's that's coming up. But uh, I, I just wonder uh, if they're almost digging themselves a hole, because mm -hmm. how the hell do you get people to continue to compete in- It's hard. It's got to be. Well, financially, you know, like, it's, I mean, if you're buying, if you're doing three to 400 jumps on a canopy and then I decide to get rid of it because it's not good enough for me in competition, I feel a difference in performance. That's a pretty expensive $4,000 parachute. Fucking you're probably hell. only going to sell it for half price, maybe. Yeah. Two, two grand at 400 jumps. Yeah. So you're out $2,000 for 400 jumps. And that's not including the price of jumping and the price of replacing line sets every 130 <laughs> jumps. Right. 
Um, I replace my line sets every 90 to 100 jumps because I use a very small hybrid set that has 200 Vectrans in it. Jesus Christ. So, I mean, floss your teeth with it right. if you need to. They're small. Like, we have we can slice things in half. Like, you wouldn't want to get that around your ankle for sure. Oh, you know? man. That's that's another thing and that we actually... we still do stupid crew together. Oh, yeah. Uh, that scares the shit out of me. I uh, Very early on in the sport, I watched a, a good friend of mine, um, Hook. Uh, did, it was maybe a, a 270 on a Stiletto 120 at the time. And uh, a well-meaning pilot was out there trying to help take gear off of tandem students. And mm-hmm. he zigged when he should have zagged and got snagged with the line, hit his lower neck, wrapped around on the back of his head and scalped him what yeah he lived holy shit oh yeah but that's a big canopy with a big line yeah yeah. man that's tennis shoes you know i mean it's it was ridiculous and we got to the ground and he's laying on his back and his scalp is flapped over his face he's alive and he's moving but everybody's just stay right there you know it was brutal so now you're seeing lines that are laser small i mean super tiny can't even see them yeah Absolutely. When it's flying, you're like, what? How many attachments are those? Right. Yeah, it's, it's getting to there. It's it's yeah. ridiculous. I yeah, mean, and I agree too. Like I've seen in, I was in uh, Taiwan doing the World Games and flew through. They had foam buoys, mm. and so we were going through the speed car, of course. And you know, the line group separated on the A lines has this, the gapping between sure. the outside lines. I sliced a buoy into two chunks. It fell as one, and when my friend, when Miletsky picked it up. It was two pieces. The exact laser angle of those two lines went through it. No exit. The foam didn't blow out. That's how fast it was. Holy shit. So it sliced it clean through in two spots and never separated till it fell to the ground. It's almost like a cartoon. He watched it happen. He's like, he's like, that's crazy. And it wasn't even, you know, back then we're flying like 300s and yeah. 400s. And wow. who knows? It's like in See, 2009. I get, I so, get uh, mental images of, I think it may have been uh, Kaz Shiki that uh, caught a... Uh, a uh, um, seagull mm-hmm. in her lines doing the Wildwood tour. And this was, sure. again, velo days. I can't even imagine you would have just sliced that fucking bird in a dozen pieces. Yeah, I couldn't have. Yeah. Jesus Christ, just, man. And, and I mean, I know I know Kurtz uh, hit a few birds before. I think he hit one on his chest in Dubai while we were training a few years back. <laughs> These birds out here, man, on both ponds are nightmarish. <laughs> I've almost gone into the pond fucking trying to avoid birds in the crotch and yep. shit because yep. I'm not focused on myself. Oh, and, man. It's scary, you know. I mean, you're coming at a bird at 95 miles. <laughs> you're like, that's a big piece yeah, of meat in yeah. front of me. With- Jonathan Livingston Seagull is going to leave a fucking dent. It's going to hurt. No, man. So speaking of, so you, you're still kind of recovering from a bit of a, a bit of a rough yeah. patch there. Yeah, you know. Um, well, that's that whole story about like you're saying complacency and mm. the younger jumpers don't realize what the risk and rewards were. Right? right. Both times I went in mega, I've been world champion that same year. Okay, so (laughs) don't deny that you can be somehow untouchable by Mm. this situation because at the end of the day, it's always a couple things going wrong. Make sure you got all your ducks in order, you know, um, many things. One, you know, the first time was a prototype parachute, never flowing a 62 Petra that small before too much. Put myself in the corner, didn't feel like it was in the corner, felt really good. Like, wow, this is really powerful. Hmm. Then about 50 feet from the water, I'm like, oh, my God. It's not happening. Stab the brakes, you know, barely got my feet in front of me at Z Hills. I was going to hit the shore edge. And then uh, feet, knees, head went in the water at about 90, flipped me off my neck and like tore all my muscles and tendons from the top of my neck to the middle of my spine. And I land in the water, thank God, but it ripped my weight belt off my waist, 35 pound weight belt. It had a 
motorcycle helmet clips. That's how hard of a hit it was. Ooh. So they had reverse metal clips. And when it came off, the reverse metal clip tore a hole in my abdomen on the inside. So I, <laughs> because it had, uh, so I had a little bit of a issue with, with my abdomen because, Jeez. and I, you know, I didn't need surgery luckily, but, but I, I knew there was a tear there because it was right. so painful for a long time. All right. Um, it was bad, man, you know, and I got lucky. I didn't break anything. Wow. And I and I contribute that crash not breaking anything to all those damn days I spent as a younger jumper doing yoga and shit. And sure. Being, I'm I'm always an athletic person. I'm in great shape. My core is usually pretty strong, um, especially when I'm competing full time. Yep. We work hard at it. You yeah. know, uh, some of us actually treat it like athletes. Not, sure. Not everyone, <laughs> but some people actually put the time in. You're um, not uh, you're not using beer as uh, excess weight vest. <laughs> we do. I mean, I enjoy my my liquor drinks. Sure. But, but, you know, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I got lucky and that was a big wake up call. I'm like, wow. All right. And then, you know, it'd been a long time since then that I had an accident. Sure. Um, this last one was uh i just got home from copenhagen i went up and taught at the drop zone i think my teammate come in town the next day i woke up super early drove him to the drop zone i hadn't even taken the cards out of the camera or put them back in yet because mm. the swoop freestyle took all of our footage so they sure. couldn't promote it so i had no gopro cards in my camera he hasn't jumped there in seven years i haven't followed him ever we're both jumping 64s at 3.2 at 5,500 feet above sea level. We're going to do right <laughs> 630s. I follow them too close because I'm flying like I normally would fly with, you know, maybe a normal turn that I would be doing like a left 450 or something. Sure. Kurt or something like that. And so my complacency was completely out the window a bit. I got tied on him in the turn and I knew it. I was like 10, 15 meters off his right side behind him and we're, we're – nuking at the ground sure. i mean you got to understand the horizontal distance you can cover it at 95 miles an hour with the wrong input can absolutely collide you 10 meters apart oh yeah very easily oh yeah so i i purposely waited for him to finish the turn and i delayed my snap by like just a little bit because i knew that if i turned early on him it could end up being too much of work sure. i need to be following it like to close in on him sure when we're doing two ways like that and stuff, we're not looking at the ground as a second competitor. You're trusting the first one. Right. And you, you know, all the way through the snap so you don't hit him. And then you do your closing. You're closing on with him. So when we finish the snap, I, I should have known better. Jay snaps harder than me and faster. And he's, we're both notorious for like being to be in the corner anyway. Mm. I asked him to bump it up. I'm sure it was, but he hadn't jumped there in a long time. And I caught myself in a, in the corner. Oof. So I think I lost like 40% of my altitude in one second, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And you know what the weird part was when I said you have to think and react because that happens. The first image I saw in front of me was him like 40 meters out in front of me hmm. and at higher altitude than me. <laughs> and my brain goes, what is that? Uh, and then I'm like, you're going in. That's, but you know, that thought process took that extra half second. Who knows? Maybe I've ate up 50% of my recovery. Sure. Slam the shit out of my brakes. I wish I would have hit harder, honestly. Mm. I, I, I had the unfortunate situation of where I just caught my knees enough to not control from flipping me upside down the harness, but it didn't collapse my canopy or throw me continuously through the water. Mm. So I had an issue. I had a fully flying parachute with 95 miles an hour of lift Jesus Christ. i unloaded god knows how much of my weight mm. it's going sky high and because it's been unloaded sure i'm literally from my recollection upside down the harness being held in by my belly band with my toggles in my hands <sighs> i righted myself in my harness with my hands and my toggles 
throwing my weight back into the harness because I know what that feels like to head low. And when I did it, man, and I saw that first visual again, I hadn't seen anything from the impact till there because I just remember feeling being upside down completely. And when I I ragdolled myself back up, I was probably 60 feet in the air going 75 miles an hour to 45 degree to the right towards the side of the pond where there's a bulldozer park 20 meters off the water's edge. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I shit myself, man. I mean, yeah. the last time I literally thought I was going in and dying was when I collapsed a speed flying wing out here in Dubai over the, the sand mountains. Wow. And went into the mountain from about 20 meters above because I didn't understand how to fly a crossover wing. I had no experience to be under a spiraling little cloud. Thinking, you know, obviously you're a swooper. You can handle this shit. Sure. Did like a negative negative g turn where there wasn't any loading on the inside cell and it was a stupid inward turn towards the mountain and you never turn towards the mountain and the flew behind a talus and it collapsed the wing (laughs) it was the dumbest shit ever right but anyway that was going in like i knew it so i i started you know flying this stalling 64 at a 32 from at 5,500 feet above sea level from 60 feet down. Fucking hell. Knowing that there's no lift in it. And I'm if I go into deep breaks at any point during any of this, it's going to stall straight down in the ground. I, I can just feel it. Yeah. And I thank God in the – I'm not religious, but I, I just use that phrase. But, sure. Um, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> um, but I, I just – I'm like, holy shit. If I didn't have as much stalling the shit out of my 64 in the accuracy pit, to stand this shit up, that Kurt and I do from 15, 20 feet high, that people are like, sure. how the fuck did you just stand that up? Or sure. how did you pull that off? If I didn't do all that retarded training and hurt myself so many times doing that, I wouldn't be here to talk to you. Because sure. I literally flew this into a stand-up. I stood up on the water's edge as hard as I could with all my strength and might, and my left leg completely blew out because that was the inside leg to the angle. Sure. Tib, fib, compound fracture, femur <sighs> break at the hip, uh, into four pieces because it twisted, and then I I still hit my face and broke my nose on the ground. Jesus fucking Christ! I was completely conscious. I was okay, I, but my friends are like, "You all right?" I don't know. You know, like I'm in a lot of shock right now. I have a, my my hip hurts up here, and my lower leg hurts. And they're like, "Well, let, here, pull your lower leg out. Do we call an ambulance?" So I I go to pull my lower leg out, and it's wrapped 180 degrees under my right leg. And the bone's sticking out. So when I pull it out, blood goes everywhere. It's decent. It yeah. was quite a dramatic, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's real. <laughs> oh, fuck. And I'm, I'm calm, dude. Like, you know, I'm, I'm that guy who, <laughs> you know, paramedics are there and I'm telling them about swooping so they understand what I went through. You know, like, it's, it's quite, right. quite comical in a fucked up sense. Right. My wife's, you know, not cool with it. Obviously, right. she's there because she ended up, she was on her way to drop zone anyway. Um, But, you know, her first her first question to our friend is like, my friend, I got my friend called her like, I have bad news. Nick just had a crash and he's hurt bad. Oof. Is he con? You know, my wife says surgical trauma. Nurse. Right. Is he conscious? This is, you know, she wants to just know what, how's my brain. Um, and I'll tell you guys, like, this is one of the pet peeve things I teach to every student out there in the whole world is that parachute's not done flying until all the energy's out of it. And mm. you are at a dead stop across the ground. Yep. And if I didn't fly that parachute out of that, in that landing, I probably would either be paraplegic, quadriplegic, or dead. Oh, yeah. And, or head injury three-year-old. Well, and, just the, just the list of, of, uh, injuries yeah. that you had doing it right. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't even touch how many injuries some of the best in the world have gone through. Oh, yeah. To the shoulder injuries, the constant 
leg injuries, ankles, you know. We're fucked when we're old. Oh, I'm so screwed, man. And that scares <laughs> the shit out of me. I'm gonna me too. I'm gonna go back to Colorado after my wife finishes school. I'm gonna grow like sixteen C B D plants in my house. Yeah. So I can just just dose up all day or I'm gonna be in so much pain I won't be able to live. Oh dude, it's it's ridiculous. I've I just hit fifty this year and uh I'll wake up in the morning and go, Well, wait a second, that's a new pain. I don't remember ever hurting that. Why the fuck does that hurt? Um, so when all the shit that I know I've fucked up starts to hurt, <laughs> oh man. It's stupid. That's why I'm getting the plates out of my leg and stuff. Yeah. I haven't decided if I'm gonna get the femur rod with the screws into the hip yet. Um it's complicated. It's yeah. it's in there, it's gonna be a long recovery. P- I'll it's, tell you what it's tough. Th- People either that are listening to this podcast that don't skydive or lower time skydivers or say more mellow skydivers are thinking, why in the fuck are you still doing this? How, how can this possibly be worth it? Sure. Uh, It's so hard. You know, like I've, I've, I've retired twice in my career. Um, I'd retired in 2016. I told everybody I was retiring. Mm. I I had some complications. I had the worst meet in my life at nationals. I didn't make the U S team. Mm. I'd been in the sport a long time. I was very fed up with a lot of things. And sure. I was like, I need a break sure. now or I'm going to explode and never do this again. Right. So I I literally did like 16 jumps in a year. I just, fuck it. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm not on the US team. I'm not going to Worlds. I'm not jumping. Yeah. I'll teach it and I'll just be happy with doing something else. In my sure, life. sure. And that was when I was like getting into remodeling homes and stuff because I was like, what do I do? Like I got to I gotta flip my own house and right. learn to do something. And, and so, I mean, coming down that road of, of all these adventures and, and building into where, where I'm at now, it's like, fuck, like, what do I, you know, what is the purpose here? Like, what is the goal? What, right. Why am I doing this <laughs> right. to myself? And I can't explain it to other people who can't, it, to, for me to stand on top of a podium amongst the best in the world in anything. I don't care if you're fucking the best at knitting a f- crocheting a sweater sure and you're an old grandma in the competition like <laughs> props to you you're the best in the world at what you do damn right like like oh you're the best one at ping pong whatever i don't care sure it's still like a very like that feeling to like have sure as the champion of the world oh yeah is a totally euphoric high oh it that, has to be that I- most people and the highs are so high and the lows are so low. Oh, they know? have to be. Uh, because you're so like, dude, we're traveling around the world. We're so stoked about seeing each other and doing all this other shit. And then you go home sometimes and you're just like, oh. Yep. Yep. I was just flying down the mountains in Switzerland with the Red Bull team under wingsuits in the first XRW ever. All right. And now I'm sitting on my couch watching yep. TV again. Yeah. You know, like it's a fucking weird cliche. So yep. that's why we do it. Yes, yeah, because yeah. we're hungry for life, man. I uh, I watched uh, um, uh, a surfing movie called Riding Giants, and I, yeah, I often equate uh, um, uh, skydivers to surfers in the in the mentality mm-hmm. and the, the draw of it. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think it was uh, Gabby Reese talking about Laird Hamilton, uh, how depressed he gets when there's no waves to catch. And yeah. uh, what did he what did he he said something like along the lines of Imagine you're a dragon slayer, but there's no more dragons left to slay. <laughs> oh, and and oh, as so- funny as that sounded i'm like no i get it yeah i totally get it and i hit a burnout stage in in the sport as well and and i actually stopped jumping for four years mm-hmm. uh i went no i i'm not enjoying it anymore i'm not there's nothing new coming down the pipe i just why am i risking uh life and limb for something i'm not really into uh yep. and it was four years went by and then uh our mutual friend junior um, has had said something along the lines mm-hmm. of, hey, we should go make a jump. And it made me nervous. Mm-hmm. I went, wait, is it? Well, holy shit. I got a little nervous and, and excited all at the same time mm-hmm. and then went out and made that jump again and yeah. came back. 
it's it's a good feeling when you get to do it again. I, I'm I'm going to get back to jumping again. I haven't jumped yet because my insurance is absolutely astronomical. It has to be. It's just because my wife was a surgical trauma nurse and we had the best insurance there is out there. And when she went back to school for nurse anesthetist program, I had to go through COBRA. And that is just, I'm paying $1,600 a month just to keep my Jesus insurance going. Christ. But at the end of the day, it's my wife's hospital that I had the surgery at. The surgery cost me 500 bucks. Yeah. I oh. mean, any advice out there to any skydivers that are going to be a professional in any part of the sport? Okay, if you don't want to have to put an ad on Facebook to save your ass when you're in the hospital, buy some fucking insurance. Right. This is extreme sport, man. I had a $355,000 medical bill that was all covered mostly by my insurance because yep. I pay out the ass for it. It's worth it's it. It's worth it. It's, it's absolutely worth it. I would have lost my house and my life if I didn't have that this last year. Yep. I actually had to put out one of those Facebook ads and, and have a, a benefit hard, thrown for me to try and reattach a bicep that, oddly <laughs> enough, I did in a water skiing accident while drunk. <laughs> no, it's never the normal stuff. No, fuck no. Cornelia broke her ankle recently just jumping off a horse. Yes, she I said, know yeah. it. And I'm I know like, it. I came out here to work with her a little bit, and she's like, I'm so bummed. Like, yeah. I wanted to speed with you when you were here a little bit. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. I, I was well, too. It, it well, but I think that it, it falls into the same category as complacency because we yeah. don't think. Yeah, we just do sometimes. I don't, I'm, I'm on a boat and yeah. we're getting. We've been drinking all weekend, and yeah, sure. it's my turn to get in the water. You don't think about the consequences and sure. stuff like that. But when you're stone cold sober and strapping on a rig, you're thinking, "All right, here's all the different shit that could go wrong. This yeah. is all the different shit I need to plan for." And then you go jump. So. Sure. Skydivers are safest when they're doing what, what everybody else considers at. stupid. Well, I, I agree, man. You know, like I, I learned to scuba dive recently and, you know, it's amazing how like my attitude changed after the first time getting in the water and stuff where mm. like I even just reading all the books about the scuba stuff. I'm like, man, like, oh, I feel like a fucking woofo again. Right. This is weird. Like this is out of my comfort zone. Right. Like, I am totally used to being really good at everything I do and I hate sucking. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, oh, like, yeah. It's like, fuck. Like, what is this? And then I like, I started to like it a lot because it is challenging me again in, sure. in ways, you know, how you push yourself in life. Sure. Um, well, you know, it's funny too that you bring up scuba diving because I've got uh, friends that still think skydiving is crazy and, and uh, the, those friends that don't jump and, and uh, think, you know, do something like scuba, it's so much safer. But you want to try and explain to them, do you have any idea how much quicker I'm going to die 80 feet down than 10,000 feet up? Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, so much more can so go wrong blowing bubbles, man. And nothing yep. up there is going to try and fucking eat me. Yep. Well. <laughs> Some of it. <laughs> we'll see. Those tracking dives where a zoo guy flies through head down in the middle of it. Very be, true. Very, very oh, true. Man. So for those people that are listening that, again, are, are coming up in the sport and they're, they're low time and they're, they're looking at all these uh, uh, canopy pilots and thinking, hey, that's the direction I want to go. Mm -hmm. uh, what advice do you give to this guy almost straight out of, out of uh, school? I, I'll tell you um, – you know, set some goals where you want to be. I know this is your overtime where you, where this is like, I always have this highest goal, but you need to set some lower goals that are achievable on a weekly basis, on sure. a monthly basis, on a yearly basis to keep you motivated in the right direction, to keep you safe, to keep you going and, and, you know, try to lead them in the direction of give them some canopy classes mm. here, come and take a, a fluid dynamics class on understanding how parachutes work. Sure. Come and take, uh, you know, an atmosphere class about how how all the different conditions can affect your canopy in different relative air and wind and what's sure. going to happen to you if you do it wrong with sure. this and eventually you know when they get enough jumps you can introduce them to swooping i'm notoriously known for 
teaching people with with younger jump numbers who have a skill set that's attained higher than a normal person. Mm. I don't think everybody's created equally. No, and not at all. It, it's, you know, regardless of a rule that's set in place because of a jump number somewhere or another, I mean, I as soon as they got 200 jumps, I'll throw them into a swoop course and mm. I'll start teaching them straight in double fronts. Because at the end of the day, if you can't handle your shit at 200 jumps and be an adult in an adult sport, then you know like you we all make our own choices you know? yeah so. that's it i mean this is a big boy sport uh, yeah. uh there's big boy and girl sport there's there's no room for uh trying to lay that responsibility to anybody else yeah. uh you know 10 jumps or ten thousand jumps mm-hmm. you stepped off the airplane you're making that decision yeah. um and uh, i think it's a it's a good thing to give people that aim that yeah look uh you can learn whatever you want to learn but at the end of the day this is on you and those baby steps are really mm-hmm. important but doing stuff like canopy courses with guys like you is a big fucking deal it's helpful you know i mean at the end of the day like if i could have me teach me when i was younger i would have had way more world titles than i do you know, sure I've, I've won five and i've got 10 world records i mostly focus on world records at the beginning of my career mm. Uh, transferred into wanting more world titles because uh, I just felt, you know, when Kurt started kicking my ass with three <laughs> or four world titles, I'm like, wait, what the fuck, man? I only got two. Right. That ain't cool. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so we went head to head for a while. Uh, I think he's, you know, if he's listening out there, you're lucky I'm not competing right now. Because <laughs> <'Cause, laughs> we're always head to head. He's so sure. good. You know, fucking guy, man. Oh, for and, the longest time, it's always been, so you know, good. it's always been the Kurt and Nick show. Yeah. It's been, it, we've, you know, we were on teammates together. We we trained together. We learned together and stuff. I recently, in the last few years, I did separate myself from the team. Just personal growth stuff. Sure. Um, everybody finds themselves in different ways. Of and, course. And I found that you know it was good for everyone because there was a little animosity. Every team gets a little weird every once in a while, depending on how many things come up. Of course. Um, but it's it's a strange sport to be a team as a swooper because you know like you're individual. At the end of the yeah. day, like yeah, yeah, it's a team sport, but like you're there to support each other more than you are yeah. to actually fly together in the realm of the competition. Right. My score doesn't count for his score except right. for as the total U.S. team. Sure, because we'll have like four people. The top four count towards us winning the team medal. Yeah, you know? of course. It's well, like, it's a it's a um uh, I we want to win as a team, but I want to be the top of that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still gonna no, kick your ass. The, I'm just gonna do the team. I'm gonna kick your ass, and he's like, no, I'm gonna fucking win. It's like, <laughs> but if you, wait a second. It's like Talladega Nights. Like, but 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 if I if I let you win, then how do I win? Right. You know, like that's and we love that shake and bake movie because sure. it was totally like we were those two guys. Of course. Um, uh, it, and it's good though. Like that competitive spirit is like super heavy and strong. And um, oh yeah. And it, and it's it's great to be able to work with other individuals in the sport that are just as good. And I guess the long the end of the story, what we're getting on is. Go out there and get that coaching because yeah. if I could have had it, man, holy shit, would I have fucking gone so much better so faster. Oh, I saved yeah. my life. Many times I may not have hit as, easy, as hard when I was young doing stupid shit I should have sure. done. Um, I can take people from like Sabre 2 135s and 150s on straight in double front approaches and teach them how to save their lives at high ang- degree angled attack with a parachute that actually is going to save their life. Sure. Uh, I want people to get that scare when it's a big parachute that doesn't throw them and kill them. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying any parachute can't kill you. I watched a tandem dive because they hit the ground the same time as the parachute sure. in a dive. Any size parachute can kill you. Damn it's right. the angle of attack that counts. Oh, yeah. And that's really the you know problem with swooping, hitting the water or the ground at those speeds versus, you know, fall off your motorbike with pads on at 200 and you break a collarbone maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the angle of incident that's causing the injury. So get, get that coaching. Go... You have the world has so many coaches now. It's ridiculous. When I started coaching, it was like Jay Mledsky and JT Jonathan Tagle 
and like Bobo did a little bit. Shannon did some coaching and like there really wasn't a lot out no, there, you no. know. And so when I got into it, there was like maybe five or six coaches and there wasn't a big thing. Now every drop zone has a coach or someone who can sure. at least help you to a certain skill set. Sure. Um, and if you are interested in that top notch coaching, I, I recommend taking it. Yeah, that's absolutely. What, that's what I do for a living. That's what a few of us have the privilege of doing full time. Um which people are like, how the fuck do you make money full time <laughs> teaching people to fly parachutes? And not just parachutes, but specifically swoopers, which there aren't that many in the world. Right. Um, I would say, you know, like I, I do charge a good day rate, but shit, it's way cheaper than a than a free fly coach or a oh, tunnel, yeah. oh, tunnel absolutely. or something. And at the end of the day, you get so much more out of it. Because in swooping, this is the one thing that is definitely going to kill you when you fuck up right away. Exactly. It's not like playing golf where you hit it out of how to bounds and you're good out of bounds and swooping is broken so sure you know there's no margin for error and that's why i think it's important to learn from a lot of different coaches when you find that coach that is your click that you know you jive with that knows the most or you believe knows the most sure whatever it is stay with that coach yeah because what happens and i swear by it Every coach, every swooper has a different technique with a different thought process, with a different, you know, analogy. Sure. A lot of them end up with the same result or similar results. Sure. And we all have our own personal theory of exactly why ours is the best. Oh, yeah. So what I'm saying is you can get a lot from everybody. And then when you figure out who you want to be with, spend more time with that person because you're not then changing your turn 15 different ways every oh, time sure. you go to a new coach. Oh, sure. Because they will. They'll say that's not how you should do it because they don't understand what the other coach was thinking or how they were flying it. Right, right. Um, and there is a difference. I mean, if you you get what you pay for. So, yeah, I mean, oh, no, no, very much so. At the end of the day, you know, like if you want from a young jump number, you want that world-class etiquette of how I'm going to teach you how to fly a parachute, how I would fly it even though it's that size parachute, that type sure. to win whatever class you're in. Sure. That's what I do. Yeah. You know, like I love working with professional swoopers because it's super challenging to get more out of such a beautiful thing anyway. Sure. Uh, to get that little bit more to make them happy. is sure. So fucking hard compared to a new jumper. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. You teach new jumper. They're like, Oh my God, you're amazing. Like, and then you, you like, you get, you get a, a professional swooper who, didn't have a fucking good day. What a what a you know crying moment. It's like right. firstworldproblems.com over here. Yeah, it's for like, sure. We're so emotional about like, oh, I didn't do good today. <laughs> you know, every swooper does it. It's like, oh, I'm sucking. I need to quit. Or, you know, we get so tied up into it. Of course. And some of us do it more than others because it's expensive, man. Sure. We're spending a lot at this and then you blow it. You flew halfway around the world on your own dime and oh, then yeah. you you got a red card and got kicked out of the comp before you even started or something like that, you know, like that was me. You know, I got a yellow card right before the comp started because I, I hit a buoy and frapped into the freaking shore edge. <laughs> and they're like, um, we don't know much about you in swooping, but here's a yellow card. Don't do that again or you're going to get kicked out, you know. And I'm like, Jeez. oh, I got to back off the whole comp now. I'm not even in the comp yet. All right. So, I mean, shit like that. So it's – well, but it's it's uh, uh, again if you're if you're pushing to try and get to a higher or even an elite level and start to compete, that's the kind of stuff that you need to know about and need to learn about. And the only way you get that kind of stuff is through experience. I mean, yeah. uh, there's a shitload of good swoopers out there that don't compete and can yep. teach canopy skills and and sure. can help save people's lives.
lives. But if you want to learn how to do what you do, you got to go to somebody like you. Yeah, for sure. And I got guys straight from like way young status that are like, this is what I want to do sure. for sure. And I'm like, well, then I can guide you down that path sure. really well. Sure. It's based off. And I've got these guys out of Scott. I've spaced in Spaceland Houston. Dude, they buy these packages for the the unlimited jump account for like uh, 8800 bucks for the year, right? right? They're doing a thousand jumps and getting down to nine dollars a jump, dude. And they're living on the airfields for cheap. Sure. And they the planes run all day because there's enough packages sold that it goes seven days a week, 364 days a year. You can't beat that, man. So these kids are like, oh, I'm here from Argentina for a year doing this and I want to learn to swoop all that. They're just fucking every day fucking doing like 10 jumps because I mean and they're going to go home rock stars. Dude, they're going to go home. They're, they're ninjas. These guys are not just swoopers, but free flyers and all this shit. Sure. And they're just, they're flocking to there. They spend a year or two there. They go home with like two, 3,000 jumps and yep. they're ninjas all of a sudden. Yep. So it's just kind of cool because like I got these like really inspired young guys from like Argentina or New Zealand or wherever they're from. Sure. Hanging out there. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of international people there because of that package. Which is awesome. That's yeah, awesome. So, so it's cool, man. Because, and, and what a, it's a little windy in Texas all the time. Sure. But, but I, I mean, sometimes when I teach there, I get like 11 or 12 days straight coaching with no weather at all. Ah, so you can't like, beat that. Yeah, at least they're jumping all day, every day, getting eight or nine yeah. jumps. Yeah, 10 for jumps, sure. You know? For sure. Well, and even if you're flying in windy conditions, as long as you're able to jump, yeah. you're still learning every still jump. Still learning. Every single yeah. jump. Yeah. Now, for those uh, that, that want to learn, I'm, I'm slowly but surely trying to take over the world with the podcast. Uh, so there's <laughs> people from all over the place. How do they find you? How do they come train with you? It's time to promote yourself. Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, I do a lot of my coaching through word of mouth. It's crazy. Like I'm one of those coaches that gets brought into so many gigs that I can choose what I want to do a little bit. Cool. Um, you can contact me on my Facebook or my Instagram account. There's Nick Batch, Nick period Batch at Gmail. Um, and get a hold of me through one of those accounts. I don't have a webpage for my website actually, or anything that promotes me in that sense. Um, but yeah, for sure, contact me online, and then usually it just starts with, hey, man, I want to do a course. Where can I put that on? And I'm like, I've got these courses set up in different places, or I'll put a course on for you, you know, and that happens a lot. You know, awesome. someone's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll see if I can get enough people together, and we put, put out an ad, and sure enough, it fills up enough slots. Awesome. So um, you can find me at Scott of San Diego, Spaceland Houston quite often, Z Hills, I sometimes go down there i don't frequent quite as much anymore okay um management changes a little bit and it got uh you know i love tk but he he went on to the political side and things <laughs> things changed a little bit in the sure. way that i used to run my camps down there um you know mile high skydiving in colorado we didn't have any water in the pond this year because of some city rights stuff but yeah, usually i'm out there coaching quite a bit cool um and that's where i have like a lot i have a lot of followers in terms of like small drops on people who constantly if i do show up at home in colorado where i used to live it's like classes are filled even if i put it on a week early or something nice. so it's good but um but yeah start to contact me um i'm available at, at on facebook mostly cool yeah for cool. sure and we can do whatever you want to do i i start out with with basic student status with 101 102 courses all the way up through you want to be the best swooper in the world and kick my ass Fucking awesome it, you know awesome um something i something i like to do man i've i'm not going to go to bed with this information i don't know how long i'll be teaching it i'm one of those people who loves it and that's why i do it and the second i stop love doing it i'm not going to do it it's the way to be um because at the end of the day i've been in those places when i didn't feel like coaching i didn't coach yeah. you know like if i had enough money to make it happen I focused on swooping more or focused on family or whatever. 
But at the end of the day, like I, I love teaching and I love taking care of my students that are my students. Awesome. Um, and the goal here is to give you not just uh, this is what you need to do, but this is why you need to do it. This is what the parachute does when you do it. This is the dynamics that you're causing. Look at the dis- disruption in the parachute. Look what your body position is causing here. And because of my you know, 12, 13 years of coaching, I've seen so many debriefs that sure. I've got a quite, I've got quite <laughs> a good reasons why that happened right. in the exact answer instantly and can almost fix the problem within one jump. And then if you, if the customer's working with right. it, um, right. you know, they still got to do the other part right. and actually perform it. But you know, it's, that's the, that's what you're paying for when you hire the world's best coaches, sure. because what you're paying for is the, not just why and how, but this is the best you need to, this is what you need to do it for. And then, you know, the relationship part, you know, of course uh, you could be a great swooper, but not a great teacher. You could be a great teacher, not a great swooper. Sure. To find both of those qualities. I know of only a few in the world. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's the reason that, uh, um, you need to seek that out if that's the direction you're looking to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you could get your basic surges and understanding how to fly parachute from a lot of coaches out there. But, but there's definitely a little bit more of an understanding of the how, why. Sure. I'd really like to get into, you know, theory and understanding. And I'd like to drop the word theory a lot to students because what they don't understand is every single thing that we tell a student is still technically not something that's being able to be proven sure. in sports science because the technology is not there. Sure. So, you know, like it's great. We have these GPSs and outside video views, but at the end of the day, there's just sometimes we can't explain the phenomena right. of what's actually happening with the atmospheric changes around us. And it's affecting the shit out of parachutes. And oh, yeah. If I told you to lower it 20 feet and suddenly, um, you know, density altitude went up a whole bunch because we were on break for a while. And then, you know, something else happened. Doesn't mean that 20 feet's the perfect altitude for what we're right. changing. You know, like things change really fast. It is a world. very fluid thing for yeah. sure. Well, and again, that's why you're paying for the experience when yeah. you do that coaching kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a huge proponent and fan of any level skydiver, any experience level skydiver doing that coaching stuff. Like I've got 11,000 jumps and there's a shitload I can learn on canopy courses and I'm a good canopy pilot. Sure. I'm going to always learn something always. And I think that's, you know, goes for every part of the sport too. You know, you've got these legends out there like Pete Allen with 33,000 jumps. And and it's just like all these, these guys who, are multifaceted in many parts of the sport, but some of their pe- specialties obviously is like belly flying or this sure. or that. And I mean, oh, the privilege to be able to swoop and jump and work with the world's best in your sport is just a lucky fact that we didn't oh, yeah. make enough money in the sport to have to still teach, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. No, I'm just, just saying that it's a privilege yeah. for like take advantage of it. Younger jumpers, because you're never going to get John Elway to teach you to fly or throw a football for no. 225 no. bucks. It's not happening. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And yeah. I, Tiger Woods isn't coming out to teach you how to hit a golf <laughs> club for 225 bucks. No. So it, that's the whole point is like, at the end of the day, they're like, that's expensive. It's like, really? Is it? it no. Yeah. I spent really. 19 years in the sport traveling around the world to be where I'm at, to learn what I learned. And yeah. I dropped more than a half a million doing it to, oh, yeah. to be where I'm at. Well, it's very easy to so, just go, all right, here's what I spent to yeah. get this good. Uh, so you can either pay me this yeah. and take leaps and bounds over where you would be doing it the way I did. Sure. Or you can just go ahead and you know yeah, do that. And I can probably get more results out of a person in just a couple of days of working with me than they could get out of a full year of training nice. themselves with nice. no... Because it's, it's, you know, instantaneous. That's what it's about. Getting people up in 10, 15, 20, you know, 
10, 15% faster than they were when they showed up, safer yeah, than they were when they showed up. The safer is the big more one. More in line with what they're properly trying to perform. Yeah. Understanding where the risk is. For like, sure. Telling them when they almost went in and why. <laughs> That's the scary Instead part. Instead of them just walking away thinking it was awesome. That's the scary part is uh, um, the canopies and, and the way things have gone nowadays, what you might think was just a badass swoop was a gnat's ass away from you it snapping It was so over crazy there. back in the day, man. It was toggle whipping stuff. Oh, with dude, those nice old deal. Those ranch movies from back oh, in yeah, the day. I dude. talked about this before on one of these. It's, yeah, those... Man, it's gnarly, dude. I can't watch. I can't watch some of the old videos. Yeah. I and if I if there's a stiletto on the drop zone, I can't watch it. Yeah, it's a, well, it's just to finish. Like even when I'm coaching people under these canopies, it's just like, <sighs> yeah, oh, you dude, know, oh, it, you know, no. like, oh, it's okay. It's a 104 JVX. He's totally fine. That's why he didn't die right now. Yeah, like. But it's crazy because those canopies fly so big yes. for being a crossbreed. Yes. Well, and and it wasn't all that long ago that it was, a, oh, my God, he was on a 104 JVX. He should be dead. Yeah. So, well, as we wrap things up, yep. last advice to jumpers old and new. What's one thing you think all jumpers should be keeping in their heads or, or thinking about? You know, I mean, uh, stay within what you're enjoying in the sport. You know, nice. don't uh, – it, it, Go outside your room. Try everything. Figure out what you love the most. Do what makes you passionate. Do what makes you love it. If it's not enjoyable, why are you doing it? It's too dangerous for the risk versus reward. Fucking I mean, like, think about other people besides yourself sometimes, too. Sure. Um, That's a big piece of advice right I, there. And I'm talking family. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, my situation, sometimes you got to take care of your family a little bit. Sure. I'm hurt. It put me back a bit. What it did to my family too. It's hard. Sure, mom doesn't like it when son almost dies. People you know, and people don't think upset, about that, man. You know, like like I've always thought that the you know the extreme wingsuit base jumpers are crazy because but I've seen some of them do amazing things too. Sure, and, but you know risk versus reward. You know, like some of them. Well, that's their full passion, and yeah. a hundred percent respect that they. Oh yeah, they go for it full bore. Uh, but for the most part, just be yourself, you know. Yeah. And yep. and always, always enjoy what you're doing in life. Because oh, I've, you know, it, it it's hard to um. It's hard to be passionate about not being passionate. You know, like if you're not passionate about anything, then your life is a little oh, dull. Oh, you're just, you know? you're just so, taking up space, man. Yeah. So you're just taking up so space. find that thing that you love to do most and do it. And awesome. It, it might not be swooping or skydiving. It might be something else. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, hey, dude, uh, there, there's a lot of people out there that jumped for a little while and it was a great mm -hmm. time while they did it and they moved on and uh, hats off to them as well. You sure. Know I mean, sure. But you got, you're right. You got to have that passion. And I think that's probably the, you're the first person to make the point um, in that. That way but think about other people too yeah. it's a big fucking deal yeah it, it, it affected my family this last year we had a lot of, of family deaths after my accident and yeah man. and at the end of the day man i'm i'm there for my family right yeah. now yeah yeah you know? that's good man so that's good it's well, just where i need to be i'm glad you're still up and walking around it's nice <laughs> to good. see you doing your thing good. and and uh, out coaching again it's been fantastic Sweet. sitting down and talking to you it was good man i really appreciate the time yeah thank you very much take care man out, dude. thank yeah. you very much blue skies